Um, my name's Kathy, for those of you who don't know. Hello, hello. I'm on staff here at SCUM. I am the children's pastor, coordinator, Sunday school, nursery, um, whatever you want to call me, you know. I, I pretty much do whatever Dave tells me to do. So um, I've been here on staff since... Um, 2013, and I've been here at SCUM since 2010. Um, I have the privilege of giving you guys a message that you probably have heard a million times, and um, you're going to love it. I guarantee it. It's really ironic, actually, that I get to give you this message because it's, it's a really popular story, one that I'm sure all of you have heard in Sunday school um, or, or even if you've attended church any, any amount of time in your youth, you probably have heard the story. I, want, I just want to see if anyone has heard the story of David and Goliath. Show of hands. Steve, never? Really? Okay, everyone, everyone, who has not heard the story of David and Goliath? Larry, doubt it, doubt it. Um, So, I mean, me being Sunday school coordinator, children's pastor, it's pretty great that I get to um, give you this message. But I don't want you to walk out the door just yet, okay? I don't want you to think, heard it before, I'm just going to leave now. It's probably nothing in it for me, because... I really think there might be something new in it for us um, that maybe we haven't heard before. In fact, that was my prayer as I was preparing this. I thought, God, is there another angle that we can look at this story? Is there is there something fresh that could be for us in this story? Um, so I want to read the passage for you. And, and then maybe see if we can look at it from a different angle. Um, so w- this is what I want you to do, though, okay? I'm, I love to be interactive when I'm up here. And it's like that kind of like small group study style. So um, that's my jam. So this is what I want you to do. When I'm reading the passage, I want you to think of yourself as the Philistine or as the giant. So imagine yourself as the giant and and seeing this from his eyes or his perspective or the Philistine army even. If you're like, okay, can't do the giant, too gross, whatever. Okay, imagine yourself as one of the Philistines as I'm reading this passage, okay? Um, And then we'll talk about that. I am going to read the entire chapter of, I don't know how to work this, Ben. I don't know how to do it. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. All right. So we're going to read the entire chapter. So please stay. Don't get bored. Okay? It's not too long. Let me see. I forget how many verses are in this. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that bad. 58 verses. Come on. Come on now. This is a church. We can do it. Put your back into it. Okay, don't put your back into it. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. 
All right, let me read it. I, I prefer the New American Standard, too. So that's what that NASB means, New American Standard Bible. Um, I just like it. Um, but I like to read from a lot of the different translations so I can get a bigger picture of it. So, But tonight I'm going to read it from the, the NASB. So 1 Samuel 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered at Succah, which belongs to Judah, and they camped between Succah and Azekah in Ephesdemim. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. The Philistines stood on one mountain, the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley in between them. And then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, which is a little over nine feet, supposedly. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, David was the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons. We learned about David last week, if you remember um, Craig Blomberg, the lovable loser. So here it's talking about David. Um, He had eight sons, and Jesse was old in the days of Saul, advanced in years among men. The three older sons of Jesse had gone after Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and the second to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. Now the three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's flock at Bethlehem. The Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days. And took his stand. Then Jesse said to David, his son, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this roasted grain and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also these ten cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand. And look into the welfare of your brothers, and bring back news of them. For Saul and they and all the men of Israel are in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. So David arose early in the morning, and left the flock with a keeper, and took the supplies, and went as Jesse had commanded him. And it came to the circle of the camp, 
while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. Then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines, and he spoke these same words. And David heard them. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that that the, that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? The people answered him in accord with his words, saying, Thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. Eliab's anger burned against David. And he said, Why have you come down? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, What have I done now? Was it just not a question? Then he turned away to him and to another, and he said the same thing. And the people answered the same thing as before. When the words which David spoke were heard, they told them to Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him, and I attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with the armor. David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not yet tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David took them off. He took his stick, or his staff, in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had. Even in his pouch and his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Then the Philistine came on and approached David with the shield-bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts 
the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines to this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands." Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. The men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the slain Philistines lay along the way to Sharam, even to Gath and Ekron. The sons of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and plundered their camps. Then David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his weapons in his tent. Now when Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this young man? And Abner said, By your life, O king, I do not know. The king said, You inquire whose son the youth is. So when David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the Philistine's head in his hand. Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse the Bethlehemite. You guys still with me? You okay? Did you fall asleep? A little bit? It's a long one. It's a long one. Um... Have you guys heard the whole chapter ever before? Or just like the children's version of that story? Everybody? Nobody? It's a lot. Yeah, some things. So um, hold on to that perspective that I asked you to, to keep, okay? Being the Philistine, being the giant. Hold on to it. Don't lose it. Keep it in your mind. Lock it away. Just for now, we're going to come back to it, okay? Um, I want to go back through... And, and we'll break it down just a little bit. So, so last week, Craig talked about the anointing of David. You guys know that he's anointed to be the next king um, of Israel. Um, I'm not sure that Craig talked about um, David working for Saul, playing the harp. Did he talk about that? I can't remember. I was upstairs. No. Okay. So, really cool. And really terrifying. David's like a teenager. I'll pass this. um, This is the inspiration for our sermon series, Jesus Storybook Bible. I don't know if you guys knew that or remembered that. Um, But for visuals, because some of my friends really like visuals here, I'm going to pass it around. I'm going to pass the David and Goliath story. It's really great. Okay? I'll skip you. I'm sorry. So it'll come back around. 
Okay, all right. Um, There's some really great visuals. But what's interesting to me is um, the way that the children's stories uh, depict David is that he's, you know, this small child, which is great. I mean, to think about a small child defeating a giant, like, it's, it's amazing, pretty unlikely, right? Um, but I think with that, when we, when we think of it like that, even though it can give us confidence in situations, I think it becomes kind of fairy tale like Like, it's almost unattainable. It's like, well, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. When actually, David was probably more like a teenager, so not quite ready for, for battle. But as we learned when we were reading through, um, David fought bears and lions, Okay, so I don't think he was like Zeb's size. You know what I mean? That lion would have ate David, probably. Although, the Lord can do anything he wants. So if David was small like Zeb, um, cool. Right? Cool. Still a cool story. Still a cool story. Um, But... It, they call David this hero, right? He's like, he's the hero. But as we learn, and this is just a nugget, okay? I'm going to, there's some nuggets, you know, just kind of like drop some whatever. Um, but I, I hope and pray that this will be cohesive enough by the end of um, me talking that you won't be like, what the crap was she talking about? Um, so um, they call him a hero. And um, what's beautiful you know, about that is that it does give us confidence that we can be a hero and we can face our own giants and stuff. I'm sure you've heard that kind of sermon before about this story, like what are the giants in your life, you know? And um, God can use you in any circumstance, no matter, you know, who you are and, and how you feel that you're lacking. All those things are true, right? But what's what I, I found as I was reading that was, David's not the hero. He's not the hero. God is the hero. David could not have done that on his own. Even though he fought lions and bears, I mean, this is a nine-foot man who's been a warrior since a warrior since his youth, you know? So, like, even though he was strong and had the help, you know, to to defeat these lions and bears, like, he couldn't have done this without, certainly, okay, certainly with one stone, he could not have defeated the giant with one stone without the Lord's help, right? So David is not the hero in this story. He's not. I just wanted to, that's the nugget, okay? Just so we get that out of the way. I won't speak about that part again. I might. Um... Okay, so let's, let's go back through. Let's go back through the story. Um, David, we learn in chapter 16, if you read chapter 16, not only was he anointed, but he, he, um, he came into Saul's court because Saul um, was demon-possessed. And so Samuel says, got it, I know what's going to help you. This dude plays the harp. It's going to... It's going to take care of those demons for you. So teenager David comes, plays the harp. He's not just playing for his entertainment. He's slaying demons. 
It's like Demon Slayer, you know? He's like, Larry loves it. I know, I know you love it. You lo- I do too. I get so excited about that stuff, you know? So we, we learn this about David, right? But that's why, you know, not only was David young, um, but he was a part of Saul's court. That's why he's not on the battlefield. So he's going back and forth between Saul's court, slaying demons, playing his harp. First of all, okay, David was, we, we learned he's a handsome man, you know. Um, he could fight lions and bears. Um, he can play the harp. So he's like the whole package, right? He's the whole deal, you know. Um, I kind of, you think of those people sometimes like, okay, do you, you had to have all of those qualities. Like, I I don't even think I have one of those qualities, you know. So you just kind of like look at him like, dude, come on, you know. That's just another nugget, okay. But I'm just, just going through. We're just trying to get the idea of who David is, right. Get the picture in your mind. This is why I didn't use visuals. So that you can use your own imaginations. Okay, close your eyes. No, you don't have to close your eyes. Um, so, so we go through, he's, and he's going back and forth between Saul's court, and he's going back home to help his elderly father with the estate, with the home, with the sheep, with whatever he needs. And Jesse says, you know, go take lunch to your brothers and, like, see what they're up to. Bring, bring the report back to me. So, so that's what David was doing. So he goes, he takes his brother's lunch, and how, how do his brothers respond to him? They're like, what are you doing here? Like, you just came here to watch the show? Like, like they're just, and David's like, what the heck? I'm just asking questions. Like, why you got to be all up in my grill, you know? Like, I'm pretty sure, maybe not the NASB says that, but the message the message probably for sure says that, um, which is a paraphrased, you know, Laron now we, we've read it. It's like, it's pretty, pretty great. Um, so, so he's just going there, getting a report, trying to figure out what's going on. And as he's doing this, he, um, he hears this giant, you know, taunting them, which this isn't a new thing. So, He's been doing this for 40 days, coming out every day, taunting them. Um, but this has been going on for years. This, the Philistines are constantly terrorizing the, the Israelites. And if you, if you read the context, you know that's because the Israelites kept, they're just a mess. They're a mess, and they're like, God, we love you. Thank you so much. And then a few years later, they're like, ah, we're worshiping other gods and doing whatever we want, and we totally forgot who, who God was, you know. And, then, and then, they, then God is like, okay, whatever, you're on your own. And then they get attacked, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. Will you help me? Will you help me? And God helps them because he loves them. He helps them. And then they forget. It's like back and forth and back and forth. So... God was like, you know what? The, I'm just the Philistines are going to terrorize you. That's all there is to it, you know. So this is what's happening, you know. Philistine, it's been going on for a while, you know. And this isn't anything new. So, so Goliath comes out, and he starts taunting, and David gets offended, right? He's like, how dare he talk about my God, the God, the King of Kings, and y'all are just running away. Like, 
so afraid. Who are you? What are you guys doing? He's offended, right? So he's like, I'm going to do this. So he goes to Saul. He puts on the armor. Not working. He's not used to it. He's never been in battle. You know what I mean? Right? But have you ever tried on armor? I don't think I could, like, do anything in that. I can barely do anything when I get my nails done. You know what I mean? I can't button my pants. I can't function. Guys, you can't relate to that. But women, you know, if you ever get your nails done, you can't do anything. Maybe you can. Anyways, he couldn't. It just, like, it wasn't working. So he took it off. He took it off. And he's so confident, right? This is, like, the confidence passage chapter in the whole Bible, right? If, you, if you're looking for confidence, this is where you go. And so he goes, he gets the five stones, he slings one, we know, went into his head, boom, dead, dead. And then what happens, the Israelites are all of a sudden encouraged. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, let's get them. And the Philistines run away, ah, go. And the Israelites are like, yeah, they're like so empowered, right? And so they go and they kill them all, just dead, Philistines, dead, dead. Just one. Just saying that for effect. Um, but it's true. It's true. We just read it. We just read it. So that, I just wanted to break that down. Um, so let's, in case you missed it, if you zoned out as I was reading the chapter, which some of us do. I think I zoned out a few times as I was reading it. So um, let's, let's think about the Philistines, okay? Let's, you guys all imagined it, I I know you guys are just sitting there like, okay, I'm the giant, I'm the giant, I'm the giant. That's what you were doing, right? As I was reading it. So, you're the Philistine army. You've been doing this for a while. You're coming, you're taunting. The giant's just, like, it's a game at this point, right? You just, it's something you're used to, you know? I'm like... I come out every day, I taunt them, they run away. This is, this is great. We're totally going to defeat these Israelites. You know, Goliath is like, hold my beer. You know, I got this. That's uh, my culturally relevant phrase for the night. That's probably all I know. Um, so you're the Philistine, you're the giant. You come, you do this every day. You've been doing this for a while, okay? And you, you see... You, you come up, and it's a new day. Day 41. Come up. Day 40. I don't know. Craig Blomberg would know. Day 41. Come up. I don't know how far this, uh, this mountain is. Maybe he has binoculars. And he's looking. And he's like, what's going on over there? Was that a small teenage boy? What's he doing? There's a little ruckus over there. Oh, brothers are they're feuding. They're feuding. Okay, this is going to be easy, boys. We got this. We got this. What? What? He's putting on armor. He's putting on... Oh, he's going to fight? Oh, he's going to fight. Okay, bring it on. Bring it on. He's like, bring this teenage boy on. He sees him. He's like, easy. Got this. In the bag. All of a sudden right to the forehead. And some of these translations say dead on the spot, rock in the head. Some of them, you can't tell if he died immediately or if he died when 
David came and chopped his head off. But let's just imagine he didn't die right away. I'm not saying he didn't. He might have died instantly. But if he didn't, just imagine what he's thinking, okay? Wind knocked out of him, you know? Bleeding profusely. Can you guys imagine it? (laughs) See, I don't need visuals. I don't need it. And then he falls flat on his face, and he's just like, what just happened? Everything he said about his God was true. I've just been living my life, like my whole life has been a lie. You know, like these things going through his head, going through your head. And he comes and he's like, he's going to kill me. He's going to chop my head off. He said he was going to chop my head off. I'm dead. I'm goner. You might be wondering why on earth I would want you to or us to imagine being the giant or the Philistine. Why would I even care about seeing it through their perspective? So these Philistines were arrogant, and they were cocky, and they were self-confident. And they followed gods, little gods, that were self-motivated, self-created idols. These idols gave them an excuse to live life how they saw fit, right? Whether that was to gain material wealth, worldly wealth, or status, or um, even what they desired sexually. They could do whatever they wanted. That's, that's what these idols gave them permission to do, whatever they wanted, whatever they personally wanted. So certainly we can't relate to that, right? Or, or can we? Have we ever just wanted something so bad that we just do whatever it takes to get it? I always tell people, um, you know, when we want what we want, we, we get it. When you really want something. So, okay, I'm trying to lose weight, okay? Full disclosure, Okay. Trying to lose weight. And when I see a cupcake and I really want it, I'm going to eat it. It is so hard. And so I have a friend who's like, well, do you really want to lose weight or would you, would you like to lose weight? Is it a nice idea? And I'm like, well, I think I want it. You know, <laughs> I think I want it. I was talking about it. He's like... See, but if you really wanted it, you would do what it takes to make it happen. And I'm like, oh, good point, good point. So for that reason, I just, I was like, you know what, I don't want it. I don't want to lose weight. I'm just going to eat whatever I want. <laughs> so, though, I am trying now. And I'm like, okay, I had to evaluate. Do I really want it? Okay, but for, that's like, that's a small scale thing, okay? But I'm sure we can think of other things like, you know, Sex. If you are not married, you know, and you want sex, you, you do whatever you can to get it. Okay, maybe maybe you don't have a partner, you know, maybe. So, all right, I'll watch porn. I'll, I'll do whatever I, it takes to tickle my fancy. You know what I'm saying? Can I not say that? That's all right. That's all right. You know, I mean, 
I'm talking about, and I'm joking because I'm, you know, it's an embarrassing thing to talk about, but it's a very real thing. You know, when we want what we want, no matter who it hurts, who it affects, it's, it's about me. It's about what I want. It's how I want to fulfill my needs. All right. So maybe you're not the Philistine. Maybe you're not the Philistine. Okay. Maybe you are the brothers. I have notes on my phone too. I wrote some notes. I typed some notes, you know, all over the place. Maybe you're, maybe you're the brothers. Do you want to share the limelight and put others behind you? You can get jealous of others. Maybe you're Saul. Maybe you're not the brothers. Okay, can't relate. Maybe you're Saul. Saul, he was with David day in, day out. Had You know, he's in his court. He had not enough relationship or friendship with David to even know who his dad was, to even know where he came from. And, and not only that, he's just operating out of what he's used to, right? He says, okay, all right, fine, put this armor on. Just put it on. This, you know, okay, we live, we fight for, you know, we have a living God, whatever. Okay, just do what we're used to, you know? Do what, do what we're comfortable with. Maybe you're the warrior of the Israelites or the Philistines, really. At the end, they ran away. At the beginning, the Israelites ran away. Maybe you run away. Maybe you can't relate to any of these, okay? How about when you're in adversity? When life sucks? Are you any of these? You operate on your own self-confidence, your own self-reliance. Do you run away? You just get comfortable. Just settle in. I'm not talking about things that I don't struggle with myself. In fact, um, this week I went to a conference of some pretty um, well-known. Uh, evangelists and preachers and things and and it, and it was great. Um, but I was with my friend Michael, who I talk about a lot. You guys will, if you get to know me, you will hear stories of Michael. Um, he's my best friend, so I love him. Um, but Michael is blind and he's quadriplegic, um, and so we're at this conference and um, it's it's great. People want to pray for you. You know, they want to, they want to, um, they want to see healing. They want to see miracles. And, and looking at Michael, it might look like he's suffering because of his condition. And so we had tons of people come up and I was, you know, grateful that they had the confidence and the boldness to step outside of themselves and ask for prayer. But I got so frustrated that they thought he was limited because of his physical... Yes, he's physically limited. But, like, he is, like, one of the, like, biggest warriors in Christ I've ever met. He knows the word. Laurent's like, I know, he's a cool dude, you know? He knows his word. 
He loves people. He evangelizes. You know, he shares the gospel. And he's not, he's not letting his circumstance determine how he worships the Lord or how he loves others. I got so frustrated that people didn't see that. Why, why would they? Michael said, why are you getting offended? I'm not offended. I'm like, shh. One guy got so close in his face and was just like, started praying. I'm like, get out. What are you doing? Don't be weird. Why do Christians got to be so weird sometimes, you know? And I'm weird. Like, I'm a weird one. You guys know that, you know? I felt super uncomfortable, you know? I was, like, getting mad. But I knew that God wanted me to be there. And I knew that I was called to go and to just love people, to learn why they believe some of their practices, why they operate in the way that they do. I wanted to learn, you know, and I wanted to love them all. I wanted to pray with them. It was so cool. Every time someone asked if they could pray over him, he was like, yeah, if you let me pray over you, which was awesome, because here they thought, you know, a blind quadriplegic man was just going to get up and walk, you know, and he was like, dude, I'm healed. It may look like I'm not. He's like, but I am. And he'd pray over them, and they'd be, like, snotting, you know, just weeping, weeping in his, you know, chair. Just, I'd have to catch them, you know? Like, okay. Like, it's, okay. it's going to be okay. <laughs> You're going to be fine, you know? Like, it was so cool to see how Jesus turned that around. And so, but what could I have done instead? I was uncomfortable I could have not, I did not want to go back to day two. I did not. I barely wanted to go to day one, but I did want to go. But I, it was intense. It was a different environment. It was a different way that, that other believers practice their faith. It was uncomfortable. We're real laid back here at SCUM, you know. You don't come in the door and, and, you know, hear everyone speaking in tongues and, you know, just, and doing this, which is amazing. Those gifts are amazing and distributed by the Holy Spirit when he sees fit. It's awesome. But, you know, some of you have probably been to those churches. It's, it can be uncomfortable if you're not used to it. I was uncomfortable and I wanted to leave. And I was mad at that guy for getting two inches away from Michael's face. I was about to slap him, you know? People would just come, pray, walk away. And, and Michael would be like, what's your name? I'm like, they're gone. They're gone. They walked away. Drive-by. I kept calling them drive-bys. It was a drive-by. Drive-by prayer. We probably won't see them again. I don't know if we'll know their name. You know, I was, I was uncomfortable. I could have not went back. Um, I could have slapped that guy in the face. I could have. I really could have. You know, I could have yelled at them. I could have, like, taken all the things that I disagreed with and just shoved it in their face and just told them how wrong they were. I, I could have. But I didn't. 
because I knew that God had a purpose and a mission for me to be there. And if I had responded in that way, we wouldn't have had all these amazing encounters with people who just were totally transformed through prayer, through healing of different kinds, through prophetic words and words of knowledge. Like, these people were impacted, and frankly, so was I. I was impacted. This is like when Dave says this, an Ebenezer moment. Where it's like, it goes into my life as a classic. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the prayers I shared with people, the conversations I had. Surely we all have had adversity in our lives. And I'm sure, and I know, some of us have it now. Life sucks. Sometimes. But God is just as worthy on the days that suck that he is on your favorite day. He's just as worthy. In times of adversity, or when days suck, can you rely on the Lord instead of yourself? Can you rely on his confidence instead of yours? I know scum is going through lots right now. As, you know, for those of you who come regularly, like, you know the changes we've gone through. And it's a lot that most churches don't go through. And especially not in a six to eight month period. Just like, boom, 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 boom. It sucks. It doesn't always feel good. Like, people suck. I suck sometimes. I'm not treating people with love always because I'm frustrated. But we can, we can respond like the Philistine and get cocky, arrogant. We can respond like the brothers who just want to shove people and, and just want to bolster themselves, right? get jealous. We can be like Saul and just be comfortable. Or we can be like the warriors and just run away. Or we can lean on God's confidence. Lean on his understanding. Lean into him. We can stick it out. We can fight. If we let God be the one who fights for us. That's what I want for each of us. I know each of us, we have our own struggles. And God is doing a lot. And life is messy. And scum is messy. That's not always fun. We have hard conversations. We have hard um, Sunday nights where nothing's going right. You know, people are rude. Which is because of their own struggles and their own adversity. If you can step back and take yourself out of the equation for a moment, step outside of yourself, you can realize like, oh, maybe that person's hurting. Maybe that's why they're being an a-hole. 
you know? Maybe, maybe I could step outside of myself, out of, out of my own offenses, out of my own self-reliance, and like really, truly like see people for who they are. And ask the Lord, God, what's going on? What's going on with these people? What's going on with me? Why do I feel so hurt? Why am I offended? Maybe there's something that you didn't even realize you were struggling with. And I realized with my friend Michael, it wasn't just this event that I get offended. We could be at the grocery store and I get offended. I'm like, oh, there's no freaking ramp. Like, people, what's wrong with our society? Like, I get mad. I get offended for his sake. And I don't know why, because he's not offended. David got offended for God. And God's like, I don't know why you're getting offended. I got this, you know? When we lean in, into Jesus and rely on God and his understanding and the way he works and trust him, I loved what Dave said a few weeks ago about just like, trust God. Yeah, weird stuff happens. But just trust him because he's got you. I know life sucks sometimes. And there are hard things. Losing a loved one is hard. Losing a job is hard. Losing your home is hard. I'm not saying it's easy when you put your trust and faith and reliance on God. It's not easy. And in fact, God never once promised that it would be easy. But you can persevere through these adversities. You can get through it if you let him fight for you. If you let him do it. Whatever giant you have in your life right now. I'm not the hero. We're not the heroes. David wasn't the hero. God was and is the hero. So that's all I'm saying. Just let him be your hero. That, that sounds like a song. I could sing something. Let him be a hero, baby. That's the next. That's the next Christian hit single, I think. Tyler, you want to help me with that one? Nat. Yeah, yeah, he's got me. He's got me. Okay. Yeah, just you know. You can, you can look at life in the midst of your circumstances, and you can get through it. I'm a testament to that. I can tell you, you can get through it if you just lean on Jesus. Like, seriously, just lean into him. Read your Bible. Pray. Talk to other believers who you know are going to encourage you and lift you up. And not just say what you want to hear, but say the hard stuff, too. My friend Michael doesn't hold any punches. But I never walk away feeling uncared for or unloved. So if you walk in love and you truly are seeking God and his confidence and relying on him, like, you can't go wrong. You really can't. So I just love you guys. And um, I want to encourage you to push through and persevere and in the midst of it 
all of it. Just lean into Jesus because he's worthy and he knows what he's doing. I love you guys and I'd like to pray with you guys. And then I I think we have more music or wait, do I do communion first? I want to do communion. I'm never down here. I'm always with the kids. Okay. God cut me some slack. Give me some grace. Who cares? It doesn't need to be the same way every week, right? Come on. Let me pray. Jesus, you are worthy. And we love you a lot. And you do fight for us. We don't have to do anything for you to do that. We don't have to prove ourselves to you. You deem us worthy. God, I ask that you help us in the midst of adversity, in the midst of these hard times, whether that's in our lives personally or here at SCUM. God, we want to fight. I want what you want, though. I want you to be the one driving the ship. So, God, I just ask that you would um, open our eyes and give us understanding and that you would help, help us, not just making things go away, but help us have the perspective in the midst of it all. Give us new eyes to see things clearly. Give us new hearts so that we can love each other well and that we can worship you in total abandonment, total sold out for you. Jesus, keep tending to us as a great shepherd that you are. We thank you. Love you a lot. Amen.